Well, I think already uh, downstairs was the longest we've ever talked. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you won't remember this, but you're one of the first comedians I ever saw live before I started doing comedy. Okay. I have even... You're welcome. S- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even have uh, on my Instagram, if you go way back, it's a picture of me and you. I'm at Helium. I was just an audience member. Yeah. And I was like, me and the comedian from tonight. Oh, wow. Sid, oh, Sid cool. again. And then years later... Get into a podcast with you. Oh man, pretty cool, right? Lucky boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You had dreads and everything. Oh, nice. <laughs> the dreadhead Sydney. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, full dreads. I am so sorry if those things smelled terrible in that picture. I can't, I can't remember. They probably yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I, was, I was so excited. Yeah, yeah. Real life comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you know that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it well, it's, it is it is funny though, uh, viewing comedians from the outside and then seeing what co- being a comedian is from the inside. Yes, and it's like, wow, I had I was like, I had them on way too high of a pedestal. Yes, yeah. it's so funny when you get like deeper and deeper into comedy. Like, you look at everybody like a god who you admire. You're like, how the you're like, I just want to be like, how the fuck do they do that? And then you get further and further in, and not necessarily like, oh, I can do that, or it's so easy. But you're just like. Oh, these are just like fucking weird dudes or or, yeah. or chicks, and you're like they're just people, yeah, um, who but, got really good at a weird skill. Weird people, weird people. <laughs> Everybody's extremely weird. Extremely strange people. Extremely strange people. Yeah. And then it kind of you're like, all right, I I think I put these people on a pedestal a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I still still love you, Sid, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. The pedestal is just yeah. lower. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, Brendan, one of the things that we've been doing. Before we start and get into everything, uh, we've been doing a little a little meditation technique. Do you meditate? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do uh, a TM. I don't know if you guys. I don't know what that is. It's called a transcendental meditation. Well, I knew what it was. I just wanted you to say. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's heavy meditation. I guess so. I I uh, my dad introduced it to me when I was in college. I was like really anxious and stuff at the time, and he didn't even do it. But he was just like, I gotta look for something to like help you out, and he just. He brought that up to me, and then I've been doing it since college, and it's uh, it's it's great for me. Awesome. Well, you guys, yeah. ex- I mean, I've heard it, but ex- will you explain to me like what that entails? It's uh, it's basically you just have a mantra, and you just go it over and over again in your head, like kind of the same thing as like focusing on your breath, mm-hmm. but you just focus on this mantra, and you kind of as thoughts come into your head, you just try to kind of let them go. Mm-hmm. And you're aware of them, but it just is like as they come in, you're like okay, and you just kind of try to let them go and f- go back to focus on your mantra. Hmm. It like it sounds so much more like transcendent. It sounds yeah. like it's this whole. It's just a, a, te- a simple technique. Yeah, is your is your is your mantra uh, a secret mantra? Is it is it close to the vest? It is. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but they tell you that like as they like teach you how to do it, they're like you can't tell anybody your mantra. Yeah. So it's kind of culty in that way, but I'm like, whatever, it works for me, so I'm going to keep doing it. You might be in a fight club. <laughs> <I might do>. <laughs> <laughs> so this this particular meditation, well, actually, Ansley can explain it. It's the box technique. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't have a cool name. No. Um, you're just as you draw the sides of a box, you're going to breathe in and then hold your breath and then breathe out and then hold your breath. And it's on a count of four. So each, you want to slowly each, breathe in. Sometimes yeah. I haven't explained that. In each books. side <gasps> of the box is a four count. count. Is a slow four. So yeah. Okay. So breathe in slowly for right. four and then hold for four and then breathe out slowly for four. Nice. And then for everybody who is at home doing this with us, it is in the nose, out the mouth. Yes. Okay. All right. All right, ready? Breathe in. 
or hold. Breathe out. Hold. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out. Hold. And we're ready. Boom. Nice. Yeah. That's a good way to start. You should start every podcast like that. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but now we know your mantra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we absorbed it. That's right. Meditation. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what the box technique. We just take things out of your brain and put it in a box. I'm gonna be kicked out of my cult now. <laughs> box. Yeah, so now we're ready to start the podcast. Yeah. Nice. Right? The chakra poppers. Once again, we are back. World champion Ansley. Hello. And regular guy, Sydney. <laughs> regular weirdo. Regular weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and today our guest is none other than the Brendan Donigan. Regular Brendan Donigan. What is up, regular weirdo I'm Brendan lost, Donigan? dude. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. You're I'm trying to take yourself out of the weirdo club. You're one of us. <laughs> I'm a weirdo as well. Regular old weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, really, man. Really appreciate you coming. Of course. And, uh, so, Brendan, do you have any idea what we do on this podcast? Yeah. Um, I've seen some clips. I've okay. watched a couple episodes of Buddies that have been on the pod. Oh, gotcha. So, I got the, yeah. uh, I got the general concept. Yeah. Okay, good. Because, like, the clips... You don't know what yeah, yeah. from the clip. Well, that, that's what got me curious. And then I realized that you've had so many you know, friends of mine, people in the Philly scene on, and uh, it looked cool, so I checked out a couple episodes. Yeah, maybe that's what we need to do to make the podcast blow up. We need to get everybody's friend on here. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> who has the most friends? Yeah, who, has, right. <laughs> who has the most? Yeah. We'll find them. Yeah. We'll find that guy and get him on here. Yep. Yeah, or gal. Yeah. Gals have friends, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So... Uh, if it is your first time watching or listening to this podcast, the basic premise of this podcast is to prove that anybody could possibly reach enlightenment, no matter what their sense of humor. You don't have to be a robe wearing dork to achieve a sense of higher consciousness. We don't know if that's true, <laughs> but we are trying to prove it. Yeah. And we'll see what happens at the end of each podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to open up your chakras and at the end of it, see what happens. Man. Right? That's exciting. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> Open up I them mean, chakras. For a transcendental meditator, I'm probably, yeah, it's probably pretty exciting. It's exciting. I'm ready yeah. to pop lock and shock it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah, I like it. Okay. I like it. So, uh, Brendan, everybody gets the same questions. Okay. Uh, the first question is a little icebreaker before we get into open up the chakras. And uh, Ansley, take it away. So, Brendan, what situation or event did you learn the most information from? Oh, God. Situation or event that I've learned the most information from? You know, I think that, uh, so I met my wife, we, we worked at a place uh, down the street uh, in Radnor. It was mm-hmm. my first job out of college. It was uh, this IT recruiting, like staffing company. I fucking hated this job. Mm. Yeah. It was brutal. And um, You just help Indian dudes find jobs? Yes, that's literally, <laughs> could not be a more accurate description, because we were IT yeah. recruiters too. So it's all, I learned so much about Indian culture, yeah. Indian weddings, they're a week long, they party hard, some interesting dudes, but yeah. uh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. But it's just one of those sales gigs where it's just like, and so I, I was living in South Jersey at the time, like, so it was far, you mm-hmm. know, and I, you know, was just graduated. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I wasn't doing comedy yet. And, um, you just feel so lost. Like you have no purpose. Mm. And I'm like, 
waking up at 6 a.m. to get into the office on time. It's one of those cultures where it's like, you got to fucking grind, dude. Yeah. You got to be in the office till 7. So you get home, it's like 8 o'clock. You're mm. sitting in traffic on 76. You're like, this fucking blows, dude. Yeah. And it sucked so much for, uh, and I did it for years. And, uh, but then like looking back on it now, now that I kind of got out of that situation, like there's so much that I learned being in that environment, even though I, I did not want to be there. Mm-hmm. But, um, like I met my wife there and we both kind of talk about this all the time. It was just one of those things where I'm trying to think like the, the biggest lessons, like it really, it really sucked, but I was happy that I stuck with it. Um, like for example, the one thing it really taught me is like how to be, like if you think you're being productive, yeah, um, it 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 really taught you how to take a hard look at yourself because the job was really really hard, and there would be times where you're like, I'm in the office all day, I'm working so hard, and I'm not hitting the sales contest, and all these other people are surpassing you, and all these yeah. things, and then you really look at it, and you have to look at yourself, and you're like, well, I only made this many calls today. Mm-hmm. You're like, I feel like I'm working hard, but what am I actually doing? And they've really kind of enforced that. They'd be like, you got to actually look at yourself, and it kind of like taught me like just some good habits with that so did you did you cold call cold indian call. dudes yes and say hey you sound like you could be in it yeah <laughs> well, so you, exactly like you're cold calling strangers all day and you know you get their resumes off of either like we had our own database where it'd be like you know indeed or, or stuff like that and you're calling them you're like i have these jobs available you look like you'd be a good fit you're just doing that all day oh, yeah man. i took a look at your instagram yeah <laughs> and you you look like you need this it job. yeah you're, and you're meeting you're meeting dudes for coffee you're acting like you even understand what technology they're even talking about you have no fucking clue and you're meeting with these people That's and crazy job. yeah and i'm like 24 i'm in my dad's suit like i have no <laughs> fucking i'm barely making money i'm like in so much student loan debt i hate the fucking job do you only make money when you get that person a job like how no, do you we make did have money? a base salary but like where you would really actually do well where it'd be worth the amount of work that you're putting is from the commission that you make when you put those people to work uh. so it's just like absolutely exhausting and then eventually you know i, I remember when i started though i remember there's a couple kids i started with mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I've always kind of operated with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I don't know why, but I remember looking, I was like, cause everyone would quit that job. Like mm-hmm. we had a very high attrition rate and I was like, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm like, I'm definitely going to last longer than these two motherfuckers. I don't know why. Yeah. And I did. So it, it taught me the value of like, cause eventually I, you, you do start to get, I, I was, did start to get, you know, successful. And it was like, okay, if you stick with this and you outlast some people, uh, that's like half the battle is just being able to grit your way through this bullshit that most people can't like mm, just yeah. <laughs> continue on with. Uh, and then it's great like, for comedy. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's very like, as I started to do comedy, it's so much of it is, is similar. So there's like just a lot of like valuable life lessons of like learning how to work hard, learning how to really take a look at yourself and being like, be real with yourself. Are you actually working hard or are you just I don't like saying or thinking that you are? Did they? Did you have like horrible like team building and like corporate event stuff that you had to do too? A lot of shit like that, and some of it was good. Yeah, but it was a lot of bullshit that you had to go to, and like a lot of rah rah bullshit yeah. where you're like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> we really got to act like like I'm interested in any of this stuff, and that I give a fuck about 
you know, some new Java technology that's coming out that I don't understand at yeah. all. Like I just, I couldn't fucking stand it, but I feel like I had no options. So I'm like, I can't get another job. I'm not qualified for anything else. At least that's how you feel. And you were too deep in Indian culture. <laughs> too deep, <laughs> dude. Yeah, dude. I started talking with an accent and everything. Man. Yeah, that's wild. And then, uh, so, uh, quick question, little yeah. inside baseball question. When you're doing all these cold calls, you're you're reaching out to all these different people. Sometimes you would be like, there's no way this guy is going to work for IT. And then sometimes you'd be talking to somebody and be like, this is definitely going to be one of the guys that yeah. I'm catching this guy. Yeah. Like what about that person made you know that they were going to be a, a lock? Uh, it, it just depends. I mean, like some of it was specific to like their resume, like some people like, especially in it, some like, it's all about the latest technology. So if you mm-hmm. had some people that were just really sharp and they're working with all the, like you get all these jobs and over time you start to understand the patterns of like, all right, everybody wants people with this skill. Mm-hmm. So you start to see and, and you talk to people who have that and you just kind of know immediately. But a lot of times in, in IT, it was the person with the best personality because IT people, if you have someone that can code and they can also fucking talk to people, which is so rare, you're like, this guy's money, dude. He can have a conversation and he can code. You're like, that's literally all it is. And you're like, this guy, at the very least, he's not going to embarrass me on an interview. Yeah. yeah. And that was another hard part of the job. It's like, oh, so you, you, they, you, you were getting them to an interview process. You weren't even putting them straight into a job. Yes. That, that's all I did was just getting them interviews and you know ultimately hoping that they get the job but i don't get paid unless they get the job and accept the job so that's the other hard part it's like you're dealing with with the business of people you can't force somebody to take a job things happen sometimes they start they quit the next day Mm. or they just don't show up to the job on the first day i mean everything have to work for you to get your commission it did uh it's like more than a day yeah well so (laughs) usually it would be uh, like in IT, it's really common for them to do contracts. So it's a lot of times it might be like a year long contract, two years. So as long as they're working, you're getting paid um, for the full year. Just every week as they put in their payroll, it's like oh, you're getting. Wow. It sounds pretty, lucrative, but they figure yeah. out a way with like the percentage <laughs> of what you're getting is very very minuscule. So you got to put a ton of people to work. Gotcha. So that's why it's oh, so. Oh, but fucking that's why hard. you have more people working. You got to get so many people on your payroll. That's the Man, goal. Is like you just wild. put more and more people to work, and then people, you know, they don't like their job, they quit, and you're yeah. just you're dealing with constant chaos and stress of people. You're like up one minute, and then. Next thing you know, everybody on your payroll quits and then you're not making any money. You know, it's like comedy where it's like one minute you have this awesome opportunity. The next minute you're back at a fucking open mic where you're like, God damn it, dude. Like this is so up and down. So it was just learning to like deal with that. And over time I started to realize like how to just try to stay even keel as like all this chaos. And that taught me a lot about life. Yeah. So you must have so many legitimate stereotypes about Indian people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like you keep trying to steer it back into no, me potentially saying something racist. I'm, no, 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 no. Here. But I'm, I am fascinated walking. I learned so much about I'm, Indian culture. I am thinking racist things. So, yeah. I mean, I don't need you to say anything, but it, it, that is a unique perspective that mm-hmm. you're getting that you wouldn't get otherwise. I Yeah, I never would have, like, um, 
thought that I would have so much experience working with people of, you know, um, who played basketball in sandals. (laughs) (laughs) We used to, I mean, literally say like, it it was like a skill, like some, some dudes from India, they have such, some people have been here for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Some dudes literally, they just got their H1B visa. They've only been here for a couple months and they have the thickest accent. Mm -hmm. But over time, like it was like speaking a second language. Like I, I could like understand when you first start the job, I'm like, I literally, I can't understand what people are saying, but within like a a year or two years or like, I remember when like a new person would start to like listening to you on a phone call Mm -hmm. and they're like, I don't know what, what they said. I'm like, I like, and and you got that shit down pat. You're like, I know, like I'm speaking the language now. It's (laughs) still English, but it's it's not that impressive. Yeah. But the dialect you start to get and it's interesting. And you start speaking with an accent, huh? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll just uh, have you do this and then we'll we'll get into popping open these chakras. But if you uh, had to Wait, just... you and your wife at home ever speak in accents together? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't even ask you if your wife was Indian. She's white. She is very white. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. close one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very white. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you had to uh, uh, boil it down and distill what it was that you got from that experience in, in, t- in like a tagline or, or two, uh, what would you, how would you characterize that? I think it was really just trying not to get too high and too low, like just just staying even mm-hmm. and just continuing to each day just chip away. Sorry, I keep getting long winded, but it's no, like it's just okay. staying even and just keep like trust the process almost yeah. in a way. And I, and I do just want to reiterate because I really liked uh, how you were saying, knowing that you actually are working hard mm-hmm. and not just kind of making a presentation about working hard. right like so you know sometimes you're at the gym and you're like you want to lose some weight and you're like i'm not losing any i've been at the gym every day this week and then you're like oh, well how how fucking hard am i going do like, i strike I, you as a person that doesn't reach their gym goals? No, just, <laughs> I, have, I cannot relate to that at but all. there was maybe a time in life <laughs> Never. <laughs> i am a gym phenom yeah. are you kidding me yeah yeah. Well, I, I've I've been there before where I'm like, dude, I should be, and, and then I really look at myself and I'm like, oh, I'm not really working that hard. Yeah. 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 You you, you would know if you look like me. That's damn right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I saw the mats down there, dude. I'm yeah. not going to challenge you when both of you guys can take me downstairs and fuck me up real quick. You would have to go through our kids first. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think they would definitely give me a run for my money. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for sharing that. Yeah. That was awesome. And I apologize if uh, you felt like I was trying to force you to get canceled somehow. No. Um, I'll, do it. I'll do it eventually. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get it out of the way. Yeah, I've seen I've, I've heard you talk. <laughs> so uh, now we're going to get into popping open these chakras from the bottom chakra up. And I have to let everybody know who's their first time coming on the show that the first chakra, the root chakra, is located in and around the butthole. I mean, this is like, this is your culture. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know this stuff. I got, yeah. dude, so many IT consultants. We were popping chakras, dude, every weekend. <laughs> I was popping bottles and chakras with these boys. Hell yeah. Let's get a job. (laughs) Uh, So Ace, take it away. All right. So Brendan, how did you learn to overcome fear? Fear. I I think just jumping in. Like you just, like I've I've learned over time, like you just have to jump in and and face it as cliches that sounds, but like any experience I've ever had where I'm afraid of something, I've just learned like, you have to just go in and do it. And that's where you're going to get all of the big learning experiences from it. Like I remember, I mean, you know, doing comedy and stuff. It, that's always an example I'm sure people give. But like I was terrified of public speaking in college. Mm-hmm. I remember I had to do like 
a public speaking class. And I always admired people that could do it. I'm like, man, that would be cool. Like, I'd love to be a person that was so comfortable that could just talk like that. Yeah. I remember we had a class and the uh, professor, she was great. And she had this one. The first lesson was, I want you to get up there and just talk about anything you want for one minute. But don't plan anything. Just talk for a minute in front of the whole class. Mm. And you're like, that's easy. It was so fucking difficult. You get up in front of everybody. And within 20 seconds, you run out of shit to talk about. You run out of steam. And you feel so stupid. And I remember I was so nervous. Like, my voice was shaking. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was so bad at it. Yeah. But then I realized, you know, like, if there's something that I'm afraid of, but I want to do, I just realized, like, you could do it. You just have to just keep keep at it. So mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be good at that. So I just kept putting myself in situations to like have to do it or taking classes where it forced you to do that. And I started to get, you just start to get more comfortable with it. You know, it's like comedy where it's like that first, I remember the first time before going up on stage, literally being in the back, wanting to run the fuck out of the room. Like, dude, like you don't have to do this. Like, yeah. just go home. You don't <laughs> got to do this. And then you do it. And you're up there, and then once you're in it, you're like, all right, this is not as bad as I built it up in my head. So, mm-hmm. like, I've just, with everything in life, I've just learned, like, you just got to get in there, and you'll start to figure it out, and just keep doing it. And then over time, like, I started to get more comfortable with it. I somehow got into comedy, and, like, never would have really thought that I would, would do that. Can you can you remember, uh, in that public speaking class, what your attempt at a one-minute impromptu speech was oh man i don't know if i know uh fuck what was it i have no it was probably something stupid like i don't know football like just or like a hobby that i liked or something and thinking like well that'll be easy i got plenty to talk about and then i'm just like god damn it you (laughs) you idiot you got nothing in this head of yours you can't string together words for a minute straight it's a long time it's a long long time with all the attention on you you have everybody in class especially classmates too like you feel so vulnerable in front of especially when you're like in college or high school and you just want to look cool yeah and you put yourself out there in front of people it was terrifying yeah, I think I was kind of the exact opposite because I came from a long line of bullshitters. So talking was just a big thing. Yeah. Like my dad, his whole he, he takes a lot of pride in the fact that if you ask him a question, he will talk for a long time without answering your question. <laughs> yeah, that was my dad too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I, I was, so when I, I did a public speaking class and I went up every single time and improvised. Mm-hmm. Like I would pick a topic yeah. and I would improvise the topic every time. And at the end of every class, the professor would point to me as an example of what a prepared speech <laughs> looked like. And I remember, You're like, I'm just fucking winging it up there, dude. Yeah, and there was like, you know, a couple people in the class knew. Well, by the end of the class, everybody knew that that's what I was doing. Yeah, and people would start to give me topics. Yeah, the day of class, and I would go do that, and that that's, was like a big thing. That's an impressive skill, dude. I mean, it was impressive, but it, when the when the professor finally found out that that's what I was doing, he was so sad. <laughs> because now he looked foolish. Right. You know, because like everything was, I've been preaching and teaching you guys just out the window. Sid's been up there just fucking around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's great, yeah. dude. Yeah, but uh, no, it's cool that... Uh, so, can you remember a time in your life when you were the most scared? I'm trying to think. The most scared. I mean, God, that first stand-up experience is definitely up there being so goddamn scared so going back to the public speaking thing i uh i don't know why i did this but there was a uh 
by the end of college, I be I uh, did the commencement speech for my <laughs> for my school. I don't know why. Like it wasn't because I was valid Victorian, but or anything like that. Yeah, they were just like I, I forget. You had to. Uh, what school did you go to? University of Scranton. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. I was a communication yeah, yeah, yeah. major. Like not a B. I've been a B student my whole life. Like nothing crazy, but you had to like basically volunteer, and the students would vote mm-hmm. who would do it. And so you, I, were, you were somewhat of a popular kid on campus then? I guess so. I mean, it's a small school, okay. and you had to write like a brief synopsis of like what you would say, and then kids would look at it and then vote from there. Gotcha. And I don't know why the fuck, I, again, I did that to myself, but I, I think <laughs> I just thought like, if I'm going to be there, like maybe I can make this fun or I can make it cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, they vo- so I, they voted for me to do it. And it was like, <laughs> I didn't think this through. And then you get there. And Scranton was not that big of a school, maybe like 4,000 undergrad. Mm-hmm. But at graduation, it's literally in a fucking stadium. Yeah. And there's everyone brings their parents. So it's like 7,000, 8,000 people in a stadium. And I'm kicking things off with a commencement speech. I remember like we had partied the night before because your parents all come up and stuff. And we just got absolutely hammered. I was hungover. I was like... Why did I fucking do this to myself? <laughs> like, dude, why did you do this? Yeah. And um, it was so scary. And I remember this was, it, it went great. It was like. You get some laughs? I got, dude, I got to be honest. I fucking crushed. I, like I was getting <laughs> good laughs. You know, right off the bat, you get that first laugh and then you're like, oh, I'm cooking. Yeah. But I will say I had a horrible uh, fuck up that I didn't even realize at the time. So I went to Scranton, which was. uh and I, I was trying to make a political joke to even just pretend I was politically savvy. Yeah. So I was like, I'll throw in like a little jet, like a little political thing, just so people think I know something about politics. And Joe Biden is from Scranton. That's like the only thing Scranton has going. And this was, this was 2015, so it's before he was, I guess maybe he was VP at the time. Yeah. Not president or anything like that. Uh, so I, I didn't know anything about Joe Biden other than the fact that he was from Scranton. And the joke was so fucking mild and stupid. I didn't think anything of it. But I think it was like, there was a ton of skunks around campus. Mm-hmm. Like, And I, I said something like, Scranton, the home of Joe Biden, in the land of the skunks. I don't know which one stinks more or something like that. And it's like, whatever. And every, everybody was like, ooh, oh, man. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah, it's whatever. But I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Yeah. And I remember... I get off stage, like the rest of the commencement speech goes fine. And, you know, the, the ceremony concludes eventually. And my brother comes up to me after he's like, dude, great speech. What was with the Biden joke? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't understand why people were so upset. He goes, dude, Joe Biden's son died today. What? <laughs> I, was like, I, I was just like, I wrote this speech two weeks prior. I did no research. I had no idea. You couldn't have shown how unpolitically savvy you were. Yes. In People any were other like, way. this guy's trying to be the edgiest commencement speaker of all time. That's and then wild. everything else was a fluff piece. So it's not like, so it's like this random, hor- horrific joke. Like, amidst like some advice and like some, some words of wisdom. It was so fucking funny though, looking back, where I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That's all. Awesome. That's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's a chakra pop. That's a fear chakra pop. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I popped that chakra hard that day. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man. All yeah. right. Uh, Ace, take it away. All right. We are now to the pelvis chakra. Okay. So Brendan, um, this is a little segment we like to call my bad. It's an opportunity for you to apologize to a person, place, or thing Ooh. in order to set your karma back to neutral. 
we just got done doing Brendan's Patreon episode, and it was just as fun, if not more fun, than the episode that you're watching right now. And I know you're having a good time with this because Brendan's hilarious and we had so much fun doing it. And $1 gets you all of our exclusive content on our Patreon, which not only includes the counter to the podcast that you're watching right now, which we call Chakra Poppers After Dark because we enlighten Brendan's shadow self and pop open his dark chakras. But we also do some fight commentary and analysis on Ansley's jujitsu matches. There's one up there right now that's really fun called Crazy Cat Lady, which is Ansley's most controversial jujitsu jiu-jitsu match today that's <laughs> hard to say with a bunch of other words jiu-jitsu yeah yes yeah you gotta pause yeah and hit jiu-jitsu and uh brendan did you have a good time man dude i had a blast thank you guys so much for having me dude thank you for coming yes. it was a lot of fun yeah and you guys would be absolutely remiss if you didn't check out brendan's podcast south jersey bad boys yeah check out him and his buddy being bad the bad, boys. baddest boys in town <laughs> <The baddest. laughs> hell yeah and uh, now we're going to get back to this episode and find out who or what Brendan has to apologize to. A person, place, or thing. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think of who deserves an apology the most. Well, Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. And uh, the entire Biden yeah, family. Fuck. It should have been Hunter. Uh, God, yeah, there's one. Uh, sorry about that. That was a big old whoopsie daisy. Should have done some research. Oh God, I'm trying to think. Um, somebody that I gotta apologize to. I would the the first people that come to mind is just my parents. I feel like when I was in high school, I was just a punk ass, just a punk ass teen, just a punk ass bitch, dude. Yeah. In high school, like you look back on it now, and of just how ungrateful you were for things, and just how stupid you are when you're younger. Mm-hmm. And I think, not that anything in particular happened, but I think like as I look back, like we, we were going through some tough times in high school just financially. Like my, my dad was out of work for a while. My mom was out of work. And uh, I didn't realize like how, how tough they were going through it. And so, you can't. Yeah. You have no concept of I had just of no concept of it and just no appreciation for it. So I was just kind of like, you know, just navigating my life in just a really, really selfish way, mm-hmm. I think, looking back. And uh, God, like, it's one of those things you look back and you just cringe hard. And you're like, so, it, you know, I would say to my mom and dad, I'm sorry for being a fucking dickhead. Are they still together? Um, well, my, my dad passed a couple of years ago, but they were together okay. uh, up until he passed. But they made it through that tough time. They made it through. Yeah. But yeah. And, but that, <laughs> technically. I, yeah. Well, technically. Yeah, technically. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that is kind of the, the, the hallmark of good parenting or good parents because kids really shouldn't know how bad it is. Yeah. They, they did a really good job of that. Like they were really going through it and they never, they did such a good job that you never really understood how bad things were. Like mm-hmm. they uh, made us think that we were. They gave us everything we could to not even realize like how much they were going through it. So like they did a great job of of allowing us to still do having opportunities, still doing things that our friends were doing, mm-hmm. even if it set them back a shit ton. Like they were really unselfish in that way. And I wish that I understood that a little bit better at the time so that I could just I don't know, just be more appreciative. <laughs> still do those things, but yeah. thank you harder. Yeah. <laughs> And you just, you never stop and like look at your parents when you're young as like, uh, just two adults just trying to get through life. And you're like, God, like, you know, when, when you become older 
you're, or you become a parent too and you just realize how fucking hard it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you're like, man, I really wish I understood that at the time. But I And you have didn't. a nine-month-old. Nine months. And you have, now you're getting a concept of how hard it is to be a parent. Yeah. You know, that's pretty... And like, like I was saying before, that is when you should start to get a concept of it. Yeah. Which again is a hallmark of good parents. Yeah. You know, so that's cool. Yeah. You had cool, you had good parents. I had great parents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I you don't really have to tell me. I, would, I can pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was, I was super tight with, you know, still super tight with my mom, super tight with my dad, but I uh, definitely feel really lucky with, uh, with the parents I had. All right. So that, so then the apology goes to uh, your, your parents, your, your, your mom in a different era. Yes. You know, so you can look right in that camera and apologize to your past mom. Sorry, mom. And your past dad, too. Cause that's yeah. Him. yeah. Shout out, dad. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, dad. Sorry from the grave. Yeah. yeah. Hope you hear this. Big dog. It's never too late. It is never too late. It's never too it's late. It's never too late. Yeah. Uh, technically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll call that a chakra pot. Yes. All right. Quick and dirty. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Ace, take it away. All right. We are to the gut chakra now. So, Brendan, um, how do you move past disappointment, either in yourself or in loved ones? How do I move past disappointment? Man, I, I feel like uh, comedy, you have to get, you know, I'm sure people answer this way all the time, but like comedy just like trains you for disappointment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think that was one thing that that first job really helped me with in getting into comedy is like, you know, the highs and the lows of just whether it's your job or life or relationships. And, um, like with disappointment, I just, I've found with myself, like I get myself so jacked up about stuff where I get, well, I'll get so excited and I'll, I'll set my expectations really high right from the jump and I'll build things up in my head, which doesn't always help because usually I'm not, coming in first place, which is the expectation. I'll set, I'll set these grand expectations where it's like, I want to win or I want to do something, uh, big or whatever. Uh, and I'll, you know, you try your best. And then if it doesn't happen that way, you're setting yourself up for a bigger letdown. Mm-hmm. So just over time, I've, uh, I've, you know, constantly been disappointed, like with, with stuff in comedy, you get an opportunity. You're like, man, this could really be something big. And then I build it up and then it doesn't happen. And you're like, yeah. Fuck. I, I think that I've just learned to try to, you know, try to pump the brakes on that a little bit. And I'll let myself get disappointed. Like I'll take a day to just kind of sit in it and just be and just kind of think about it and get over it. But then after like a day, I feel really depressed if I start to feel unproductive. So I got to just kind of get back into something or get back on the horse with it. But I'll give myself a day to feel that disappointment Mm -hmm. and then just know like as opportunities come up in the future, just try to remind yourself like whether you get this opportunity or you don't, it's not the the end all be all. Mm -hmm. Even if you get it, like you still got to find your way back on that path that you're trying to pursue. And if you don't get it, it's the same fucking thing. So it's like, don't put so much emphasis on just one thing or don't put all this shit on a pedestal or build it up where it's like, this isn't everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I I would, uh, let myself, uh, build that up a lot where I'd, I'd make something out to be everything. And it's just kind of reminding myself now. So I don't get as disappointed. Like this isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Like life goes on just 
give yourself a day, feel disappointed, and then just fucking, I don't know, do what you were going to do anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also not, not super terrible to have high expectations yeah. for results because nobody achieves anything big by accident. Yeah. Like, I, I will set the bar high. Like, yeah. I, I like setting high goals. But then it's like, I will, I will put so much stress on myself if it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, dude, as long as you are working toward it and you're trying your best and you're like if it doesn't happen that sometimes things are out of your control like don't sweat it like just just you know I, I beat myself up a lot yeah I think and it's like uh you, you're not gonna be able to sustain this if you keep beating yourself up just keep just move past it and just on yeah. to the next absolutely yeah. so I like to ask this question during this segment which is uh is there a time in your past like maybe before you did comedy where you did uh, sports or maybe some sort of performance art uh, where like plays or anything where you have like a disappointment that still lingers in your mind? Oh God. Yeah. Sports, sports, like I feel like you have PTSD of disappointment of like opportunities where even in football, like I'll, I'll wake up in a cold sweat of a a catch that I dropped like in high school. Like, God damn it, dude. If I didn't slip there, like, and, uh, and what sport was that football? Okay. Um, so stuff like that, or, or even, uh, I remember I, I played basketball up until freshman year of high school and like basketball was my life before, like when I was young, like everyone from the grade school I went to played basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, we had this great coach. He was, uh, my, my buddy's dad. Uh, and he was like this hall of fame coach. And he was, I, I realized like I worked really well under somebody who I admired and like was inspired by and he was in unfortunately he passed away when we were like in the sixth grade Mm -hmm. and um i felt like i was like playing for him because i just like i just love this dude and he was so charismatic and um and i loved playing basketball it was it was so much fun and then freshman year you know i was going into high school and i was playing for a different coach and i don't know why like i try to i'm trying to think back now on why I made this shift, but I just had like this shitty attitude. Like I didn't like this guy for some reason. And looking back, I don't think I had any good reason like to yeah. not like him. I, I don't know why. And I just well, would, he, um, he wasn't, well, I, I, my son just had recently had to deal with a situation where, uh, and I, and I, don't, I, I almost don't want to say this on, uh, you know, to hurt anybody's feelings, but he, he, he does a sport. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe you could keep it vague, and maybe people maybe. won't know. Yeah, like, he does a sport, and the head coach he loves. Uh, one of the assistant coaches, uh, not so much. Mm-hmm. And he was doing something where the head coach wasn't going to be there, and he asked me if he could not go because he didn't like the other coach. And and really, it's just that he's not the one he liked. Yeah. And I think that's big. Yeah, it was. I had that same experience with my dad where he was like, I know you don't, you don't like this guy, but just keep, keep going, like keep going back to practice and stuff. And I just, I just had this shit attitude and it was very unlike me. And I just, I remember I started out doing okay in the, in the year, like I was starting and getting some playing time. And I don't know why I just had this stupid fucking chip on my shoulder and I just started getting like a really bad attitude. Maybe if I like wasn't getting playing time or, and then I just like kind of got consumed in that attitude. And then he, you know, I stopped getting playing time and then I'd, I'd sit at the other end of the bench and I'd be all fucking salty about it. And, uh, put your warm ups on and mope the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. I just would mope. And I remember the guy even said to me at one point, he was like, look, dude, like one of the reasons why I'm not throwing you back in the game is I take you out and you go and you sit on the, the, uh, 
the end of the bench and you mope and like you have this and I don't know why like I don't know where my head was at. I don't know what I was going through but I was just uh not responsive and I for the rest of that season I uh I kind of just like gave up and I was just like, fuck this man. Like whatever <laughs> like, you know, teen angst that you're going through. He gave you the answer. He gave me the answer. And, and you were yeah. like, fuck like, you, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, I wasn't Rolled even up your cigarettes. And yeah. your <laughs> I wasn't even that good. Like I had nothing to even be like bitter about. Yeah. But I guess I just didn't like him from some, for some reason. And, uh, it kind of, and then I stopped playing basketball after that year. Mm. And, uh, I'm just so dis like looking back, I'm like, was so disappointed that I just kind of gave up in that fashion. And I don't know why I did that. Mm -hmm. And uh, you wish you could talk to your younger self and be like, I don't know. Like if you're going to go down, if you're not going to play something or you're going to like go down, like go down in a way that you'd be proud of. Yeah. And I just went out like such a bitch. I was just like, I had this bitch (laughs) attitude for no reason. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You could, you can never get that back. I think of it. Yeah. You can't get it back. And like, you know, you only play competitive sports, you know, most of us for so long. And, uh, I, I wish I didn't go out like that. And, uh, but yeah, even like with other sports and stuff like football and stuff, there's I, one thing I learned, like looking back after you, like you stopped playing, like I stopped playing sports after high school and you miss that. Like I miss playing like something competitive mm-hmm. and, um, there would be days where you look back where you're like, man, I was just phoning it in. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you, I wish that I just fucking gave it everything I had every single day uh, back then. And yeah. so I was just disappointed that I just didn't work harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Tell tough. these kids every day. Yeah. You tell them every day. Dude, I, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to be uh, a, 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 like a consummate tryhard. Yeah. And I would see that happening to people. And mm-hmm. it would, and every time I would see it happen, it just reinforced. Like I, I would, I was a, a, I was really big into learning from other people's mistakes. Yeah. And that would like, like just consume me with this paranoia of like I don't ever want to have that. Yeah, you don't you want know, to leave that. anything on the table. Yeah, that's yeah nothing. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. I'm taking it all with me. Right, right. Yeah, and I remember so I like in in college I I didn't want to do track anymore. I just like I lost the love of it. Yeah, and then uh, I have a coach who uh, maybe he even saw that I was losing the love of it, and he was angry at me, and he was trying to now push me off the team, and I was like, you know what? I want to be back on the yeah. team. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> out of spite. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, fuck you. I didn't want to be, but now I do. Yeah. 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 And I, and I kind of wish I didn't do that. Right. You right. I mean? Yeah. Like as long as you're in it for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah. There is something that when you're a teenager about trying hard for some reason is like uncool. So yeah. And you look back and you're like, why the fuck is that a thing where yeah. you're like, Oh, what did you want to be on the team? You fucking pussy. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, I did. And I tried my best. Yeah. Like, Dude, that's what people do. I was so I was such an annoying tryhard. Like I was the kid in French class that was nailing the accent. <laughs> oh man, that's tough, dude. Yeah. Sports, hey, by all means. French yeah. class, fuck, no, dude, <laughs> fuck yourself. I was the gayest in high school. <laughs> that's tough, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so, tough hitting a hard French accent. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were me on the phones with those Indian guys early on. <laughs> You're like, dude, you don't have to do that. Please, just tell me about the job. I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> yeah yeah and that man that's a that is a gut shock pot yes yeah thank you for sharing that yeah yeah absolutely uh ace all right we are to the heart chakra so brendan what have you learned from grief 
Oh man, I'm trying to. Th- I'm still kind of dealing with it. My dad passed away. How, like, how long ago was that? Uh, 2020. So. Oh wow, that's that's very recent. Yeah, he was. It was uh, July of 2020. So you know, three ish years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. Uh, I, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out like how to fucking deal with that. Like I was super tight with my dad, and uh, there's just uh, there's so much that that you learn from it. And it's so, it's, it's so funny. It's different for everybody. Like, you know, I have two siblings, I have an older brother and a younger sister, and we all kind of process it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Now I've had, you know, people pass away and, um, stuff like that, but that, that really being the biggest one that affected me is my dad. Like, you know, I just, when you have a parent that passes away, it's just a whole different ball game. And, you know, I hadn't experienced that before. Um, and everyone's got their own experience, whether you're close or you're not close with them. And I, I was fortunately really close to my dad, but, um, I feel like when it happened, it it happened really quick. Like my dad was a healthy guy. He was 62 and he was doing chin-ups one morning. He just dropped out of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And I was living in Jersey city at the time. And my aunts, uh, call me. So this, this is, uh, do you do chin-ups? I do. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Can't tell. God damn. (laughs) I don't think I would do a chin-up ever again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was like, he was in reasonable shape, but I think he was like, he would like work out sporadically where like, I don't know how, uh, how in shape he was to be trying to bust out some chin ups. Dude. Like, it was probably not the best move. But, uh, I remember I got a call that morning and, um, I remember, so I'm type one diabetic mm-hmm. and I, I remember this specifically because I, you know, I have to check my blood sugar. And, uh, I remember I was meditating that morning mm-hmm. and I had just gotten done and then I checked my blood sugar and it was 100, perfect, right on the dot. And I just remember that because I was like, huh, like, that's weird. Right on the dot, 100. Yeah. And then I got a call from my aunts and they're just like, you got to get home. Like, your dad's sick. That's all they said. And I'm like, what? Like, they never, mm-hmm. I, I knew something was up. And then they, uh, so me and my wife, we like, you know, I'm like, let's, we got to go home. They accidentally left the phone on and they left me a voicemail as they're talking like, what do we tell them? Like, what? And so I knew in the back of my mind, but I was trying to like have some positive talk where I'm like, maybe he's bad, but he's still there. And, uh, and so it was the longest drive home in my fucking life. And the only reason I bring that up is I noticed like, this was crazy what it did to me physically. Like, so I get to the hospital and he was already gone, just passed away. And I was like in shock. And, uh, I feel like I still have like PTSD, not even like I have great memories from my dad Mm -hmm. and like, you know, love talking about him. I had a great relationship with him and I can accept that he's gone. But it's like, when I think about like that day, like that visceralness of that day is just like really like one of the toughest parts. Um, and I remember, I didn't eat anything because we went right from home, right to the hospital, see that happen. And my blood sugar spiked to like 450. Oh, wow. wow. Just from stress alone. Yeah. yeah. So like I watched, like it physically did something to my body. And I remember just two knots in my back just tightening up. Mm. And it's, you know, it's still like taking me years to try to like work that out, just stretching and stuff like that. But um, so that that was like, one thing I learned from grief is like, it really has some fucking physical effects that you have to kind of, you know, keep an eye on and pay attention to. And then, uh, after that happened, I, uh, one thing I like learned about myself is I just, I'll try to just keep myself busy with shit. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I kind of distracted myself from 
my dad passing, like he died and he was, he was into golf and stuff. And I'm like the worst golfer in the world. And, uh, I just started to build a putting green in my parents' backyard, my mom's backyard for yeah. him. And I just like two weeks, I was just like, I had to do this. I'm like yeah. digging it out and doing all this stuff. And people are like, what are you fucking like? We got stuff to do. We got, you know, yeah, paperwork like to fill out. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, I just, you know, I started just diving into this and I did this whole thing. And then I remember I was done. I was fucking exhausted. And I was like, okay, like that was a nice thing, but like it didn't help anything. And I just realized like when shit gets tough, sometimes I just will completely distract myself and I'll just dive into shit to like escape, I guess. And I'm just kind of now realizing that as I'm talking about it, but yeah. Um, so I, I kind of will like escape and jump into stuff. Um, it's taught me to, um, uh, I don't know, like I'm still trying to figure it out. Like yeah. the, uh, like, you know, I think about them, but then like, it's weird as time passes, you kind of forget some stuff and then that gets sad because you're like, man, I don't want to forget these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I don't know. It like you get desensitized to it in a way where you. Like, I was so emotional about it in the beginning. Yeah. And as time goes on, you know, you get less emotional about it, and it's easier to kind of talk about in those things. And then I watched like my brother. He just like completely kind of you know process it in a different way. Like he, I feel like he had a delayed reaction. Like a year later, he started to kind of process it. Yeah. My sister was more similar to me, so that was interesting too. Just seeing like. And your brother's older. He's older. He's three yeah. years older than me. Is he the oldest? He's the oldest. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's a he's a he has a different yeah. place in the family mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like he kind of took that on himself, where it's like he's now kind of the patriarch of the family, and, mm-hmm. and like that weighed on him really heavy. And but it was just weird. It's weird seeing that people process it in different ways. The the time thing definitely helps. Um, and I I think if like the biggest takeaway was just like. I don't know. Like it happens. And now I've accepted like, um, you know, we're all going to go at some point. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing. And like, if you're going to go, honestly, the way he went, like, not that it's ever easy, but I would hate to be someone that watches their, their parents suffer and have to like, that is so fucking rough. My dad went like that yeah, and I mean, it was a shock, but at least I didn't have to see him suffer like through pain. So like there's, there's, uh, you know, positives and, and negatives to the way people go and stuff like that. But um, like, you know, I, I just feel like as time goes on, you just realize like it, all right, like life, I don't know. It's a, it's what everybody says. Life goes on. Time does help heal it. And you just, um, you just kind of take it one day at a time. And like, I, I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. sorry, sorry for rambling. No, there. no, I don't have a good all. concise answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I I appreciated every single one of those answers. Yeah. You know, uh, especially the idea that grief does take a, a a visceral physical toll that is that it clearly is measurable. Yeah, it, it, I like you hear about that, but then I'm like, I have like a, a literal way to measure like what sort of stress happened to my body that, and it was just like shocking to kind of see yeah. that. I mean that. So, uh, Ansley's mom passed away in March of two thousand. Was two thousand twenty twenty one? It was twenty twenty one. Wow! Yeah. And it was March, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, and, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, no, like I really related to everything you said, and like, yeah. like that, the like, the emotions, like how quickly you can go back to how you felt on that day, oh, like, yeah. like the phone call, and like you know, like that's what like and, brings me back to it, yeah. like you know, for positive and negative, but it's like 
if if you're talking about like my dad in general and stuff, I'm like, that's good stuff. I like talking about him. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. but when you start talking about like that, it's like you can like see the room, you can smell yeah. the the you know the yeah. air, and it's like, oh, dude, it's like legit PTSD. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and it wasn't my mom, but I was very close with Ansley's mom, and like I remember where I was when Ansley called me to tell me the news. Yeah, because her brother called her first. And then she called me and it was, I was, I, it was, it was big. Yeah. It was very big. It was, that is, I think that is the single moment where, you know, when, you know, people always say, oh, I remembered where I was when this happened. I remember where I was when this happened. I don't really have a memory like that for anything else Mm -hmm. other than uh, getting the news that Ansley's mom passed away. Yeah. I I think same here. It's like, we're just one of those things and I don't have many of them, but like you, yeah, you don't forget it. And it's hard to work through that, too. Like, I don't know how to do that yet. Like, I don't yeah. know how to kind of think about that without getting emotional and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, it, it's a weird thing to process, too, because you, I don't know. Like, and I had nothing but good, like, we left nothing unsaid. I had nothing but good memories with my dad. But it's just. Uh, doesn't make it easier. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> make it, it makes easier. It harder. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. and, and I, I think about that all the time. Because, like, my, my son and I are close, and I'm like. I mean, I'm, I like that we're close, but I'm also very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, like, you know, if everything goes according to plan, I will go first. Right, right. And then he will have to deal with losing a dad that he was close to. Yeah. You know, it's like like my dad and I weren't necessarily the closest, mm-hmm. uh, but he's probably going to live forever because of that. <laughs> you know? yeah. He was like, he's he a good guy, but a fairly shitty dad and shitty dads. Right. Never That's die. how it goes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. Like it, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, it really is just day by day. And I feel like, um, I don't know, like you, I, I talk, talking about it for sure helps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if anything, it's taught me just like just the value of life where it's like, dude, like this just fucking in, try to enjoy every day and just like do everything you want to do. Like it yeah. just goes by so fucking quick and, you know, all cliches. But it's like really if you can, it's just the the perfect reminder of like, dude, you better soak this shit up like every single day. Just do the, do what you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Brendan, thank you for sharing that. Man. Yeah. Really appreciate that. That is a heart chakra popped. Yes. Absolutely. We popped ours too. Yeah. Popped <laughs> ours too. Yeah. Because I mean, we're, we're still kind of in that. Yeah. It's you know? like, I don't know how, like, you know. Everyone... Well, I mean, you're, I mean, Ansley's definitely way more in it than I am. For sure. Yeah. But like, it just, yeah, I don't know if it ever goes away. Like, Mm-mm. It's uh, you know, it's DDC Dead Dad's Club, or yeah. Dead, you know, Dead, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead, Dead Mom's Club. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's we're that kind of don't want to be a part that of way, that mm-hmm. it will never go away, and we'll, we'll be dealing with it for the rest of our lives. Yeah, is and I mean, you, you know, just get like better at it's like it doesn't go away. You just find better ways of of uh, dealing with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and again, thank you again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Ace, take it away. All right, we are to the throat chakra. So, Brendan, what's a favorite lie that you have told or extra oh karmic god. points if you keep it in rotation? Pretty good transition, huh? Oh my god, that is good. <laughs> favorite lie. Oh my god, that's tough. Favorite. I don't know if I have any currently in rotation. Let me think. That would be good if I had one that's currently in rotation. Um, fuck. Let me think. A good lie. Oh, I got one. You know, speaking of uh, my parents and being a bitch ass teenager, yeah, I remember um, when 
when the same time in high school, being a bitch ass teenager like I was, mm-hmm. and we were going through it financially. And I don't know why I did this. I remember, uh, and like, you know, coming off the holidays, it just reminded me of this talking to like a group of buddies of mine and they were talking about like what they got for Christmas and stuff like that. And like I was telling you earlier, like my parents always gave us plenty Mm -hmm. and like they, they never let you know how bad things were going on. Like I, it was rough for like different reasons and, um, you know, like we all had to work early and, um, you know, it was tough and things like that, but it was never that bad. Like looking back, you're like, dude, you're such a pussy. But, um, I remember I, uh, my friends were talking about like what they got for Christmas and stuff and they were like, what'd you get? And I was like a shirt. And that's not like I got definitely way more stuff than that. But it was like I was trying to be like Tiny Tim. And like it's like I wanted them to feel bad for me. Or like it was like a cry for help where I like wanted them to know I was like going through a tough time. So I exaggerated that I like got nothing for Christmas. And I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? Like I think about that. I'm like sweating getting embarrassed about yeah. that like now the stocking was empty yeah, and yeah. Was like, like one i had like i was yeah it was shirt brand shirt yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah from walmart it was yeah. like totally not the case and they were like a shirt that's all you got a shirt and i'm like yeah got a, i got a good shirt this year and they're like jesus christ dude brennan's parents are pieces of shit like what, it, did you was it what kind of shirt whether whether you specified or not but at least in your mind, what kind of shirt were you telling them you got? I think I was telling them I got like just a sweater and I just got one solo sweater. <laughs> like in my mind, I think that's how I was building my case. And it was just totally not true. A shirt. Just one good old shirt. And like how sad of a thought that is where it's like, you know, your parents just like, yeah, Brennan gets a, he was good. He gets a shirt this year. Maybe next year you'll get socks. Like, what the fuck? Well, he gets that shirt for half the year. Then his older brother gets the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's now the family shirt. We got a good family shirt for our kids. Yeah, I don't know why. I think there was times that, like when I was younger where I was just like trying to let people know like I was going through a hard and like you would exaggerate in ways like that and I'm like why yeah. the fuck because I not can't just- understand yeah. like nobody well, can- I could have just told them the truth and been honest about like what was going on but yeah, I guess so, yeah, I you don't got, know how to I got articulate a bunch of cool shit but we're, we're still struggling right, right, <laughs> things, right. things are bad but my yeah. parents are good <laughs> yeah oh but they put things together last minute because they're good people <laughs> yeah 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 that is hope you feel bad for me so funny. Yeah. <laughs> a shirt. Just good old shirt. It was a good shirt. Yeah. What color was the shirt? Oh, I don't even know. I but mean, in, in your mind. In my mind, it yeah. was just a, a plain black shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing. No logos. Nobody I liked on there. Just something generic. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And then I would like, like uh, they're going to see me. Oh, is, see me in school with it. Is that the shirt? <laughs> yeah. This is big Christmas this year for the Donnegans. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a throw shocker pop. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. <laughs> it's a fucking black shirt. Yeah. All right. Man, Ansley, take it away. All right. We are to the third eye chakra. So we're out of the physical into the metaphysical. Ooh. So, Brandon, what's something that you used to think of as separate, but as you've gotten older, you learned that it's really the same? These things are really the same. I used to think of as separate, 
But you get older, you realize I'm, so it's So I'm just same. laughing at the fact that, you know, through the whole entire grief thing, uh, it, it, was, it was sad and it was touching. It was very relatable for us. But the shirt thing made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Poured my goddamn heart out. But dude, did I connect to that single shirt story? Dude, I'm like tears from laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah, dude. If you you should have seen this shirt though, dude. It was sweet. <laughs> okay. um, sorry, could you say it again? It was yeah. what you... Uh, so something, two things that you used to think of as separate, but as you've gotten older, you've learned that they're really the same. Huh. God, that's tough. You used to think it's separate, but you got older. Could you guys give me an example? Uh, sure. Do you want to... Do you have an example? We have... Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So like friends and family. You know, when you're younger, friends are here, family's here. But as you get older, you can realize that sometimes your friends are your family or, you know, like you choose who right, your family right. is. So it's really one and the same. Yeah. Mm, man, that's tough. Um... Huh. I think uh I think like seeing your parents as people is like mm-hmm. is is a big one. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, especially after they pass, like you really learn a lot about shit that went down positive or negative that's kind of tough to, you know, you grow up and you think of your parents as these heroes or these people that are perfect. Mm-hmm. And then just the older you get, you just get into the weeds of like yeah. you know, all the mistakes that they've made and it just you like when you start to see them differently as you get older, where you're like, and you put it in the perspective of, oh, they were, you know, uh, when I was this age, they were in their thirties mm-hmm. trying to figure this shit the fuck out and make a mistake. And like, they were these young people that were, de- you know, trying to make a relationship work. And when you're young, you just do not have that perception of that. Like you just, you think of them as mom and dad mm-hmm. and they're in a relationship and they'll always be together. And like, things are, are great. And then, I think especially with like, I come from a really big Irish Catholic family. My mm-hmm. dad was one of 12 kids. My mom was one of 10. Wow. Um, and it's great when you're young. It's so much fun. Like we were all really close. Nobody has left like Philadelphia or Northeast or uh, South Jersey. Mm-hmm. And when you're young as a kid and you don't know like what's going on, it's family parties, you got your cousins. And then as you get older, like, you know, people become alcoholics or they die or people get divorced and you're like, Oh shit, this is actually kind of a mess. Um, and with your parents specifically, just, uh, as I got older, I I started to understand more about like the dichotomy of their relationship. And, uh, I never, I just, you know, I didn't understand when I was younger, like what they were, uh, that they were just people. Yeah. And like now I just look at it. So, and like I can talk to my mom about it as, you know, as an adult in such a different way now of just having a more frank conversation about the way things were with her and my dad, mm-hmm. where I, when I was younger, I'd be so much more emotionally invested about it's it. Like, and oh, now I don't I'm like, hear that. My, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or just like, yeah. Like if, you know, if he was being an asshole in some way, um, it's like, yeah, you guys are fucking people. Like, and I, I can understand it now, but yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you're, you know, you don't have that emotional in- intelligence when you're younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, it is funny to think about, you know, your dad being the age you are at th- in different eras of mm-hmm. your life, you know, the, like 21 drinking, 
Yeah. You know, your dad probably went through similar drinking things that yeah. you, you went through. Your dad probably thought it was going to be a fart, but it was a little more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had, oh, yeah. to, figure, had to deal with that yeah. in, in a social situation. Yeah. Like, those, that is funny to, to I remember to. thinking, like, like, I didn't understand why my dad wouldn't give me advice on certain things. Like, because I, like, thought he had it all figured out. And I'm like, I don't understand why he's, like, withholding this advice. <laughs> and now, like, as I've gotten older, I've been like, he didn't know what the fuck he said. He didn't know what the like, fuck was going on. Like, yeah. He wasn't withholding information. Yeah, he didn't. He was like, yeah. he didn't have an God, answer. I hope she doesn't yeah. ask. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing right now. Yeah, like, in your mind, he's like, I'll let her learn on her own. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And he was just like, ah, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's so funny. That is that is a funny thing to think about. <laughs> and and a shocker pop. That was a great answer. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh yeah. Ace. Let's go. All right, we made it to the crown chakra. So Brendan, this is a two part question. Okay. What is something you can't give up and why? And what would giving it up mean? What is something that I can't give up and why? Um and what would that giving up that mean? I think um like, you know, the first thing that jumps out is, is comedy because it's like my main hobby. But honestly, like, you know, as you go through the ups and downs, like, I don't think I ever will, but I could totally see myself giving up comedy. So I won't even go with that answer because mm-hmm. the, now, especially now having a kid, I feel like I go so back and forth with the guilt of being like, you know, I love comedy. I want to pursue it. And I want to, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, sometimes you're like, I, I tend to get tunnel vision when I find something that I really want to do and sometimes I forget to kind of pick my head up and like realize what's important, which is like, you know, relationships and friends and and things Mm -hmm. like that. So as much as I love comedy, like sometimes I will say to myself, like, man, it would be kind of nice if you were just content without this and you could just chill the fuck out and just like enjoy time with your son and your wife and your friends. And like, you didn't have this weird, you know, random, you know, goal of like, you know, being successful in comedy. So there is, I can kind of see myself giving that up. I don't think I will because I I love doing it. But like, I I think in the past I would have said comedy, but uh, talking about my dad now when, so I had moved to Jersey city, uh, March of 2020, I was like, I'm going to do New York and I'm fucking (laughs) going hard at comedy. And then the pandemic happened like literally the next day and they're like, no more comedy. (laughs) And, uh, then my dad, died that July. Um, so I was up there for just a couple of months and then, you know, I, I stayed up there for that year, but then I eventually just realized that after that all happened and like the dust settled, and I had some time to think, um, I was like, I'm just going to move back closer to home. Like I, I just did not, I was like as much like I'm very, uh, goal driven is, is so many things I want to do, but even with all those things I want to do, I'm like, I can't not like see my family mm-hmm. when my, my mom, my brother, my sister, and, you know, obviously my, my wife and son, even though they'd be with me, like for whatever, but, um, th- there were times before my dad passed where I think I would have like more considered, you know, moving to California or moving to New York and, um, just really kind of getting after it. And now it's more of, uh, whatever I'm doing in life, it's not, it's not important enough to like leave my family. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'd ever leave them behind, but I'm like, I, I don't want to live a life where I can't, where I don't have them, uh, close to me. Yeah. So God, it's a really fucking cheesy answer. But like, I like, even now, like I drive to, I was in New York last night and, uh, you know, doing a show, like I'll just drive from where I'm at. And and now I've just realized like 
whatever like it is I want to do, I just got to figure it out from where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't think it's cheesy at all. I think uh, you're very lucky to be able to have that be your answer. Yeah. Uh, I I wasn't as fortunate. You know, my family yeah. is a hot mess, and I knew once I graduated from high school, I was never going back. Yeah. You know, I, I still keep in touch with the, a, a core family. Right. But. It's like, man, I couldn't get far enough away from those people. Right, right. You know? And uh, but yeah, that's that's awesome that you had that. Yeah, I I think so. It's uh, yeah, I'm really lucky, and mm-hmm. I it put things in perspective when my dad passed. Where I'm like, they're kind of like my foundation, and I have to like remind myself to. Uh, I do that with friends and stuff too. Like especially when I got into comedy, there was just a couple of years even where I was like, I just put my head down. I would do it with work. Like I'll just get so obsessed with something, and I'll just. I just, you know, I love, yeah. uh, you know, I have a ton of hobbies and stuff like I that. I gotta find these Indian guys jobs. Yeah. I don't have time <laughs> yeah. for you guys. Yeah. I don't have time, okay? Yeah. I keep picturing you building that putting green in the backyard too. Dude, like, yeah. That must have been so manic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, 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 when you're picturing him, what is he wearing? What is he wearing? He's in a he's in he's in a sweater. Black sweater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one sweater, man. No, he's in yeah. like a white t shirt and like jeans rolled up and like boots, and he's just like ah sweating all. I haven't time. been a wife beater. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a mess too, like because I was just oh, I was just rushing through it, and like I you know I didn't even do a good job with it because yeah. I was just but I was like I was determined to do this thing, and then I I you know woke Hence up and I'm like. Beater. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I woke up and I'm like, "Why the fuck did I like ha- feel the need to have to do this?" I'm like, "I'm totally just distracting myself." Yeah, I feel like the back- backyard was like pristine and beautiful. And it then, was. Like, you were there, kind of like, fucked it up, and dirt piles yeah. everywhere. No one uses it now. I go back there. It's like leaves all over it. My mom's kind of like, "Well, it's gonna be tough to sell the house now with this shit putting green in the back." But yeah, I'm sure Dad will love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but I'll, I'll like forget to pick my head up at times where. It's like even starting comedy, I was just like, I'm doing this every single weekend. And now I'm just more particular about what, you know, what I, uh, what I'll choose to do and be like, dude, like, you know, if you're going to do it, just make sure like you don't forget what's important. Like, yeah. So know. what, what would giving it up? What would, what do you think giving up, uh, that connection with your family mean to you? I think it's just like, if, if, if I gave that up, I just realized like people in relationships is the thing. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing in life um, from what I understand so far in life. Yeah. And it's taken me a little bit to realize that I think when I was younger, I thought like I just wanted to be successful or do big things. And then you just realize like it doesn't fucking matter. Like just it's about people and the relationships that you have with people. And if you don't have that, you're going to be lonely and it's uh, it's just not worth it. So like do what you want to do, but figure out a way to still maintain all your relationships and just be a good friend and, and good people. So it's like if I was the most successful comedian tomorrow and like I just completely gave up my relationship with my family, like it, I would look back and be like, well, that wasn't even fucking worth it. Why yeah. did I do that? Yeah, who do I share the success with? Yeah, if you're not sharing... Uh, success I've realized like whatever it is that you do it's just not as good mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that's a crown chakra pop mm-hmm. Brendan how do you feel I 
feel great, dude. Yeah? <laughs> I, I don't get to uh, kind of expunge, you know, Irish Catholic dude who just kind of keeps his stuff repressed. So oh, this yeah. has been beautiful. This has awesome. been nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you have time to stick around for the Patreon? Yeah. I didn't even ask. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, by the way, that's $1, our Patreon. Uh, $1 per month gets you all of our exclusive content God, on the Patreon. Give it up. Yeah, hell yeah. There's you could save up and get week. your son a sweater for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's barely sweater money. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one and and uh, we not only uh, do a counter to this podcast where we're going to enlighten Brendan's dark chakras and his shadow self, Dang. Uh, but we also do some fight commentary and analysis on Ansley's jujitsu matches. And I think I'm going to start doing some fitness stuff on there too. You go, boy. Give some people a little little workouts here and there. I, I get like a lot it. of questions about my chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got a great chest, yeah, dude. That's a pretty good chest. I'll take some tips. It's mostly chest hair. I don't know if you can see <laughs> it. It's, it's padded. Like yeah. yeah, it's a padded shirt. I had to shave your chest to get that shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, Brendan, uh, where can people find you? Uh, I got a podcast, uh, South Jersey Bad Boys, and then my Instagram, Brendan Donegan Comedy. It's where I post all my shows and stuff. Hell yeah. And who's, who's on the podcast with you? Uh, my boy, Dan Callahan. Hell yeah. Yeah, South Jersey Bad Boys. We talk about Connecticut. No, all South Jersey <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Hell yeah. So definitely uh, hop on that. I'm sure you love Brendan. Go check out his podcast. And uh, follow us into the Patreon, guys. Other than that, we love you. And we are out. See ya.